It's July 1st, 1st, 2015, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ran Ozawa. In this hour, we'll hear about an upcoming event focused on digital media businesses from Biling Chua, and Mike Gifford will tell us about a new app he's working on that'll help you avoid wasting time in line at your favorite restaurants. And finally, we'll hear from the winners of the latest Startup Week in Honolulu, including for the first time a high school student. Stay tuned to meet Liam Clive of Mentorship.link, Constantine Dumba of Grumble, and Jen Lazaric uh, from All About. Have your questions and thoughts ready to call in or tweet. But first, hey, Bert, we have a few minutes. What science or tech story are you thinking about this well, week? Well, you know, I was really kind of captured by the story about the hoary bat. And the hoary bat. The hoary bat. So back in this past session, uh, Senator Sam Sloan wanted to establish the land mammal as the one of the official animals of Hawaii. Well, we have the monk seal. We have the monk seal, but the monk that's seal an is an ocean mammal, okay. mammal, right? So, but the only land mammal mammal that's endemic to Hawaii is the hoary bat, and it's been never recognized as the uh, state mammal, land mammal. So, there's a, there was a bill that went through the legislature. It actually got signed. It was uh, Act 13. And it established the hoary bat as our state land mammal. Now, I thought that was pretty cool. That, was, that actually happened a couple of months ago. But what was more interesting, well, as interesting, was the fact that the folks over at the Grand Valley State University, uh, they came up with a study. And it was called Two Tickets to Paradise, Multiple Dispersal Events in the Founding of the Hoary Bat Populations in Hawaii. Basically, what they found was that there were two arrivals of the hoary bat, mm-hmm. one 10,000 years ago and one 800 years ago. And really what that boiled down to was the fact that there were two taxa or two species, which ah. now affects the fact that the bat, which is protected by the Federal Endangered, uh, uh, Federal Protection of the Endangered Species Act, and what they do is they try to come up with methods by which they can protect these uh, hoary bats. Hmm. Now, realizing that there is not just one species, but two species, will now give them a little bit more ammunition, ammunition on how to actually protect these species. Right. So I think it was important to do that. I didn't know that there were, this was because of the two arrivals, there are two species, and of course, the, you can't specifically designate only one as being. Well, I uh, think, and no one, you know, if you designate only one, then your strategies for protection might include just this one community. But if you now realize that there are actually two out there, your strategies might be a little bit different. And how many bats are there? There's probably basically? close to about 1,000 bats. Uh, and That's they, actually not very many. Yeah, and they exist on all the, uh, all the islands. So, um, but, but realizing you know, that they may be different species will end up with different sort of protection strategies. All right. So, so another thing that was kind of interesting in the news uh, was uh, with our state uh, chief information officer, that's right. Well, in fact, during last week's show, we talked about the uh, Hawaii Council of Counties. Sorry, County Counties of Hawaii, mm-hmm. <laughs> Hawaii uh, State Association of, of counties. counties Conference on Maui, and um, one of the speakers was the state's third full-time chief information officer, Todd Nakapoi, mm-hmm. uh, was appointed earlier this year. But uh, he announced at this event that his new title is not chief information officer, but the, uh, chief. Innovation officer. So I thought that was was interesting. I mean, I don't think the state's ever had a chief innovation officer. No, that's absolutely brand new. And the thing is, um, well, there there have been some people in the roles of innovation manager. I know, I think Forrest Frizzell was a business innovation, business innovation manager. manager. Uh, but to be the chief innovation officer is a pretty 
recognized role. And the thing that I think is is uh, interesting is there's a big difference between a chief information officer mm-hmm. and a chief innovation officer. Normally, well, the chief information officer has been around for like a, like the, the title has been around for Decades. since 1970, right, right? Right. And and they're really focused around looking at IT infrastructure in the enterprise. Mm-hmm. And I think for the state of Hawaii, that is still an important role to look at. You know who's overseeing the IT infrastructure in the state enterprise. Right. So I blogged about this change of title by Todd Nakapui a couple of days ago, and I finally got in touch with Keith Demello, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. with the uh, OIMT, the Office of Information Management Technology. He's the senior communications manager there. He says that because the position of chief information officer was created by statute, that is still you know Todd Nakapui's official title, mm-hmm. information officer. But he kind of describes it as a friendly or minor act of civil disobedience to become in on his business. Card, on his LinkedIn profile, he is the innovation officer because that's what he wants to focus on in his tenure at the head of this organization. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I think uh, it'll bear some uh, um, observation on does that change the emphasis on looking at IT as a, an infrastructure and how does the chief information officer, which is the official title, work toward the transformation to a better system? Right. And can it still be done regardless of what it is that you're calling yourself. Right? So we'll keep it we'll keep an eye on it. We've been tracking this since the creation of the office of the position of chief information officer. I just thought it was another piece of inter- interesting news to cover this week. Definitely, most definitely. Now, we are going to go to our guest that we have here in the studio and Bieling Chua from High Beam is here to tell us about the upcoming workshop called Funding and Growing Digital Media Businesses, the LA Connection. Bieling, welcome. Thank you. Thanks welcome for back. having me. Right. So what's uh what's this uh um well, I kind of know what a digital media business might be but what's this LA connection? Right. Well, you know, this is interesting because most of us are very San Francisco or Bay Area centric, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we when we think about uh going somewhere for where we can get funding or markets, we immediately think of the Bay Area, San Francisco. Well, if you're in the in a field of digital media, actually, Southern California is where you should look at mm. because that's where Hollywood is and and that whole industry has spawned all this creative arts, creative media. And we have an expert coming in, um, and he's T. Hale Boggs. He's a partner with Manette Phelps and Phillips. He's a High Beam member mentor. And uh, we're just so fortunate that he's going to be able to come on July the 8th from 3 to 4.30 uh, at The Rock, Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just so fitting that we have this event at Rock because Rock has its origins in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So that's our LA connection that we want to share with the community. Great. Now, in terms of digital media, and you mentioned LA and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that, that's happening there. Um, you know, maybe describe a little bit about what is it that you would define within the, you know, sort of the umbrella of digital media. Yeah, it is so broad. You know, it, it would be it would include um, online uh, e-commerce. It would include mobile e-commerce. Mm-hmm. It would include games and app develop uh, development, multi-channel networks, and um, filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, animation, any any one of those, it's very very broad, and and actually Hawaii is in a really good place because it's re- it's a state that's very committed to this sector. Mm-hmm. We even have a creative industries division mm-hmm. in the state of Hawaii. So and uh, 
Georgia Skidder is a big supporter of this event. Mm-hmm. And there's the Transmedia Accelerator Program. Exactly. And, yeah. and we have the Global Virtual Studio out on the Big Island. So I think this is the, I hope that this will be the next uh, next big thing for Hawaii. And that is to look into, to, to really build up our knowledge and connections. Well, I kind of like how you started with talking about sort of the frequent focus on or uh, affection for Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. the West Coast. But also when we talk about these transmedia and um, media projects, I think that the opportunities there for content in terms of Hawaii, Hawaii culture, things that are specific and unique to the islands, I think that confluence is very exciting. Right. Yes, definitely. And um, well, you know, we, we're going to be talking about funding and funding opportunities and going there and actually exploring and getting uh, knowing the markets that's there. Mm-hmm. So um, so Hale is the he's the chair of the Manette Digital Media of um division in his company. He's the best person. He he's an attorney and he works very closely. His field is actually venture capital and and um, finance and equity financing. Mm-hmm. So he's going to talk about uh, what the ecosystem is going to be out there because they have funds. They have this financing from very small seed stage right up to Series A. So and there are a lot of accelerators that are also there, which I think Hawaii companies can can also look at. You know, you may not want to go there to an accelerator, but you should know what they're doing there because that would give you a real good clue as to how do you prepare uh, your digital business for mm-hmm. digital media business for success. Does, well, does Hill spend most of his time in L.A., I, I take it? Yes, he's based in L.A., but he does come to Hawaii um, from time to time, and we're just very fortunate that we're in, we're doing it at the right time when mm-hmm. he's here. Well, you know, Billing, I like that we're having you here to talk about this event, looking to funding and such, the L.A. connection, when frequently and previously we've talked to you about outreach and interactions and learning lessons from Asia and, and that side. Mm-hmm. So you're clearly a, a trans-Pacific uh, Thank you. visionary. So one more time for this event, Growing and Funding Digital Media Businesses, the L.A. Connection. Where is the event, when, and how can someone attend? All right. Uh, it's going to be at Rock Chinatown on July the 8th from 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. I'm going to give you the di- the link, which is digitalmedialaconnection.eventbrite.com. Excellent. And we'll have that in our show notes at our website at bitemarkscafe.org. Thank Great. you so much for giving me the chance to talk about it. Of course, Billy. Always we, we love you to come over. And, of course, now joining us here in the studio is Mike Gifford, Gifford from Dodeki, and he's here to tell us about the uh, recent launch and some milestones that they've uh, reached recently. And, of course, uh, we want to welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Bert. Thanks, Ryan. Mike, it was really exciting to meet you. We love to talk to and profile people who are doing startups and apps, and you definitely check off those boxes. Um, and I think the first question when we when I heard about Dodeki, I was like, what does Dodeki mean? But now you're wearing your Dodeki shirt. I imagine it's the 12-sided dice that inspired the name of the company? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, in college, I um, was around a lot of nerds and geeks, um, <laughs> which I'm one myself. And um, so, you know, it's a, it's, all, it's a dice that people use to play uh, role-playing games and mm-hmm. things a lot. And um, I like it. I was just drawn to it. So we Dodeki was new to us, but it turns out it's been around for a while. You've been working, developing this app. Tell us about it. I mean, uh, what pain point was your app trying to solve? Yeah, um, 
So I'm trying to make it easier to order. And um, instead of having to stand in line and wait, so like when I go to, say, Paina Cafe, there's a line to the door every time during lunch rush, right? So I want to be able to just uh, pull up the the restaurant on my app, uh, put in my order, hit submit, and it's done. Mm-hmm. And I can track it. I know when it's being worked on and when it's ready for pickup. I can just walk right up to the counter and it's ready. Now, is this um, basically doing what would, I, I guess, on the restaurant side be a phone order equivalent or even a fax order equivalent? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and we're looking to also kind of close the gap with uh, the interaction with the cashier as well. Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, the merchants, uh, what, do, what do they need to have on their side to actually be able to leverage Dodeki? Um, so they need, they need a tablet um, that they can receive the orders on. And oh, simple as that. Simple as that. That's okay. it. And then somebody, But somebody has to be monitoring that tablet on a fairly regular basis, right? Um, yeah, so you know we've done a lot of research, and basically a restaurant will put it at a high traffic area where their staff is going. So mm-hmm. either the point of sale or maybe like a drink station, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have alerts. Um, we also uh, monitor it on our side. So if it's not being attended to, um, somebody on our staff will pick up the phone and call them to confirm, you know, what's going on. How big of a staff uh, is there at Dodeki? Uh, we have six people right now. Um, That's not bad. That's not yeah. <laughs> bad. Now, um, so I I like the idea of Dodeki because as much as I like to order ahead, I don't like to talk to people on the phone. I'm, I'm weird that way. I kind of <laughs> wish I could. I've always wished I could push a button and say, hey, Zippies, get me the Zip Pack and a small Pepsi. But I don't want to call. I just sort of, I mean, and I don't have a fax machine. So I think this is a yeah. great middle ground. What uh, Name some of the restaurants that you have currently participating in Dodeki. Yeah. Uh, well, we have Uproll Cafe in Kakaako, which is a really good um, sushi and, and coffee place down the street from mm, mm. from where I'm working in Proto Hub. Um, let's see. We also have uh, Cafe Taj Mahal, um, Indian place in Kamuki. Um, you can order at Paina Cafe. Paina um, Cafe, I go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, big City Diner. Oh, um, Blaine. JJ yes. Dolan's. Good Did, pizza. Uh, are are you just focusing Hawaii, or are you looking at expanding? I know you have you have some people here, but you also have some people on the mainland as well, right? Uh, yeah, we have um, some of my team is is kind of uh, based in Seattle right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are looking to expand eventually, um, but our focus right now has been just launching in Hawaii and growing here. So I see Teddy's Bigger Burgers, Kozo Sushi, Genki Sushi, Honolulu Burger Company. So this is a lot of. I mean, is this you going out and signing up these restaurants, Kakako Kitchen? Um, a lot of I've been hitting the streets <laughs> and I've been trying to get in touch with everybody. Um, it's been a it's it's been a pretty grueling process. So. Well, for any startup we have on the show, we the primary question and the hardest question perhaps is this is fun, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. How exactly would you make money by putting yourself here between a hungry person and a restaurant? Ah. <laughs> um yeah, so our business model is is different from some of the other startups on the mainland and our strategy is we want to help merchants um not only be more efficient with the way they take orders, but also with the way they can send out promotions and create new business, right? Mm. So, for example, if um, say you're a restaurant and you have this really great vegetarian dish and you want to reach vegetarians who's you know within five miles of, say, your shop. So our platform, you can reach those people. Um, as people start ordering on Dodeki, um, they can build out a profile so we know who they are, you know, where they are, those sorts of things. And so we could target promotions to just those people and we can make them time sensitive 
and you know geographically based and those sorts of promotions are much more likely to be redeemed and it's a much better use of the restaurant's marketing dollars right so but when you say it's different from other startups i would imagine those uh, startups and you know a lot of people are saying we're the uber of pizza we're the uber of plumbers but basically it's taking a cut of the transaction between you and and the customer but it sounds like this way you're selling more of the ability to market uh, in addition to um this operational piece in the middle, it's like we're helping you reach more people. But is the target market that a customer, that a restaurant can reach through you just limited to users of your app? Um, no. So we also realize a lot of uh, restaurants don't you know, necessarily have the time or know-how to leverage uh, these other platforms uh, such as Facebook, uh, Google, uh, Twitter. So we actually have packages where they could buy marketing uh, targeted promotions, and we put it not only on Dodeki, but we also uh, – leverage the reach of all these other platforms to get the promotion out to, to those so people. So you don't really take anything off the uh, transaction of the purchase of the meal. So you, you, your kind of business model is around building a marketing package for that merchant that goes beyond just, you know, selling the, the, the meals, right? So that's right. kind of more the is – it, is it scalable? Are you able to build – let's say, more of a revenue stream by doing these sort of uh, marketing packages? Or, you know, I mean, in what, what other ways can you build sort of that, that revenue stream besides just the marketing package? Um, I'm not sure. Not sure what you mean. Well, so, um, uh, so what I'm saying is that, you know, let's say I'm a merchant. Yeah. I would like to leverage Dodeki. Um, you're being able to sell, let's say, plate lunches. But you're not getting any transaction fee off of that tr- plate lunch. Right, right. So I, you know, you, what you want to do is you want to sell me something like a, a marketing plan, right? Yes, yes. Or, or some kind of a marketing program. But I will just buy, you know, maybe buy it, and it might be a one-time thing. It might be, you know, it might at best be a, maybe a six-month thing. Uh, how do you scale that? Are, are you scaling that based on wanting to sell me more stuff, or are you scaling that by getting more merchants on the system? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's both. Um, we want to have personalized promotions to you, the user, mm-hmm. um, that are you know relevant to you and what you're buying and what you like instead of just getting bombarded with things that you may not like. Um, so by doing it that way, you know users um, have more options, more mm-hmm. more things going on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then for the merchants, um, yeah, we want to help them grow their business. Um, the the well, I kind of like the, the idea. I mean, <laughs> when you look at, um, you know, uh, street grinds, right? They work with the food trucks. Right. And it turns out that that model was great. They're actually helping the food trucks with their marketing and such. It's not just sort of these event planning. It's a it's a much bigger package than that. Yeah. So, so real quickly, uh, would you want to get people to just download Dodeki and start looking at all the merchants that are on there? And then you had, some, you had a milestone that you just reached, right? That's right. Uh, we just added um, our 100th place on Dodeki. Mm-hmm. So, so who, was the, who was the 100th Who was the lucky place? restaurant? Yeah, who's the 100th? Uh, that was Cocina Taqueria in Kaka'ako. Oh, cool. Ah, okay. So I get, well, you know what? Kaka'ako is a great place to focus because I think there are a lot of people there with apps who are hungry, uh-huh. smartphones yep. that are hungry. <laughs> well, maybe they're all in ProtoHub. And so this app is available on both iOS and Android. Correct. So uh, where can people go to find it? Uh, they can go to dodeki.com, D-O-D-E-C-K-I. Okay, sounds good. We'll put it up on our show notes. Fantastic. Thank you, Thank you very much. And, of course, uh, thanks, Mike, for joining us. And we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Liam Clive, 
Konstantin Dumba and um, Jen Lazaric. That's right. That's we right. want to learn once again what are some of the new innovations that came out of Startup Weekend Honolulu. And again, for the first time, high school students on winning teams. I think that definitely bodes well for the next generation of entrepreneur. We'd, yeah. of course, love to hear your questions. You can give us a call. Join the conversation by calling 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. And we're live in the studio monitoring Twitter. You can reach us at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. The people who prepare the news are absolutely astoundingly wonderful. I mean, they understand and they go in depth. And that's one of the things that public radio takes the time necessary to tell the story. And that doesn't happen anywhere else. Member supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Hi, this is Ray Cruz inviting you to join me tonight from 8 to 10 for Latin Beat. I'll be playing classic Afro-Cuban Latin jazz, Latin Big Band classics, and share the latest releases in Latin jazz. That's Latin Beat tonight from 8 to 10 here on HBR2, member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. See you tonight. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Whole Foods Market Hawaii, Ferraro Choi, and Ulupono Initiative. Uh, welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today is Liam Cly from Mentorship Link and Constantine Dumba from Grumble and mm. Jen Lazaric of All About. And they are the winners of this latest Startup Weekend. We'd like to hear the lessons they learned and what that experience was like. And, of course, the tough question toward the end is, what next? Of course, if you have a question for this talented team, you can give us a call at 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Well, thank, thank you for you. having us. Hi, thank you. Now, we're going to start with uh, just some quick introductions because for the, the benefit of our uh, listeners, I want to let them know the, the wide range of talent that we have here in the studio. We want to start with Liam. Liam, if somebody were to ask you, Liam, tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe and keep it to like one or two sentences, <laughs> what would you say? Well, um, I'm a high school student. I'm 15 years old, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in startups and technology and entrepreneurship and education. And uh, that's what my uh, startup mentorship link is about. Oh, sounds good. Jen. Build what you know. Uh, basically, I'm enrolled in Dev League part-time, and I like to video game and design on my my side job. Okay. Oh, yeah. Dev League is the uh, local coding boot camp, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And Constantine, how about you? Right. Like Jen, I'm also part of Dev League right now, uh, and I'm doing the full-time course, which is 11 hours, uh, six days a week. So that's pretty much all I do right now. <laughs> no, so. and I, you know, I, I really appreciate the fact that you guys were able to make it down here on time because I think you guys were in the midst of class, uh, right? He was. I wasn't. I started six. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of education happening. What was your What was your big back, background and work prior to becoming a, a coder? So I've done a lot of different things. Most recently, I was managing and building distance learning courses. So that kind of got me started in the tech world. 
and um, and that led me to Dev League. Oh, mm-hmm. fantastic! Sounds good. Now, so what was it that got you guys interested in in uh, getting involved with Startup Weekend? Now. I mean, we've talked about Startup Weekend. We don't have to get into a lot of details, but it's a 54-hour sort of marathon. You're sequestered, basically locked up in a room. <laughs> Maybe not quite that. Maybe not quite. But, <laughs> you know, box jolly, you're in there. You're, you know, you're sweating it out. And at the end, you got to come up with a presentation, basically kind of a demo for some, some judges, right? But before we get into that detail, what possessed you to want to be a part of Startup Weekend? Liam, you want to... <laughs> You sure. said it was a personal passion of yours, but where did that come from? Well, um, as an unschooled student, meaning that I'm homeschooled and I have no traditional uh, curriculum that I follow, I just ah. make up my own education sort of <laughs> as I go along, I'm always looking for uh, experiences like this. And I heard about Startup Weekend, and I thought I'd learn a lot from attending Oh, great, that, so. great, great. And what, Jen? I mean, uh, what possessed you? I mean, I think Dev League is a great program, and it's kind of giving you the introduction to well, actually, the skill and expertise to actually get out there and program. But now, boom, thrust into this environment of, okay, we got to come up with a business plan. we got to come up with a prototype. we got to do a presentation. Oh, it, it was definitely scary. I, I was trying to go up there and pitch, and I was just shaking. And I had someone <laughs> behind me doing little demonstrations, and it, it was nuts. I, I wish I did better, but look where I am now. Well, who's, whose crazy idea was it to sign up for this program? For, the, uh, well, for Startup Weekend. For Startup Weekend, it was the Dev Leaguers. Oh. Yeah, we were so, kind of just thrusted into it. It was optional uh-huh. um, to do all three days. You were just um, recommended to go Saturday only, mm-hmm. but optional to go through uh, three days. And I might as well try it out and never know where yeah, it might take you. Know, I mean, if you went just for Saturday, what would that be? I mean, you'd go in, you walk around, everybody's sort of already in a team. I mean, what would yeah. you end up doing? Like, hey, Liam, you want me on your team? I mean, it's like... You know, you got to yeah, kind of yeah. be there from the very beginning, right? And I'm glad, I'm glad you pitched because that pitch process is kind of nerve-wracking. I mean, they put you on the spot. They tell you, get up there, do your one-minute pitch, and, and see if you can garner any likes. Oh, right, it, right. it was terrifying. But the cool thing about the startup community is that they're very warm and welcoming. Mm-hmm. So when you went up there, you were still scared, but everybody at the end was clapping super loud and cheering. It, it's a great community. Mm-hmm. I would do it all the time. And Constantine, was it also through uh, Dev League then that they thrust you on stage to do something like that? They made me, yeah. <laughs> they made you. They made me do it. <laughs> so so uh, I like this idea that you're you you know you're, you're there, you sort of uh, know that you have to do this presentation. I like this pitch. Okay, so you have to have an idea. Now, do you have an idea going into the event or do you come up with the idea at the event? I mean, what was the, what was kind of the, sequence of events. I mean, Constantine, did you have an idea before going in? I did have an idea. I think for most people, it's a mixture, though. They come in with an idea, and then they come out with a completely different idea mm-hmm. that is somehow related to the original <laughs> idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's kind of what happens. That's, that's a good representation of what happens in the real world, too, mm-hmm. that you kind of figure out, you figure out your idea as you try and make it happen. And Jen, when you were petrified of giving your pitch, I mean, where did the root of that idea for your startup come from? Actually, I had a previous idea called Jelly Watch, which is like uh, check around like to see what beaches have jellyfishes. Oh, and yeah. I oh, seen uh-huh. that there was an app already made for that. Uh, and I was like, uh. I might as well do something different. And I was going through the whole process of what was not made. Literally everything was made. <laughs> but um, I thought of this idea, the All About, which is like a, what do you call it? A uh, peace of mind for babysitters and parents. 
and finds you a babysitter. You give them a list. They babysit for you. No hassle, no nothing. You get notifications from the babysitter all the time. But it's out. That's great. I mean, we we are going to get into what your specific startups do and specifically how it would make money, which is one of the criteria on which Startup Weekend Honolulu participants are judged. But I like that you were really thinking about things that were not built. I mean, you're already in the mindset of idea ideation, right? Mm-hmm. Generating an idea that you can build. And I, you, Liam, said that your idea, because you're a unschooler looking for <laughs> mentorship and guidance, that was clearly a natural thing to try to to tackle with your app. Yeah, definitely, because uh, as an unschooled student, I look around and I see my peers, and they don't have the uh, kind of internship mentorship opportunities that I uh, can, and I want to bring that to other people. Now is the sort of the beginning of this idea. Mm-hmm. Now, was that the idea that you pitched, or did that idea kind of evolve as you got team members and started to, I don't know, uh, brainstorm? Well, it started out just as um, a way for students to share their sort of unorthodox learning experiences. Mm-hmm. And then over the weekend, it evolved into this uh, system that would actually connect students with mentorships. So it did evolve a vast amount over the weekend. No, I'm kind of curious because, uh, you know, I, I did participate in one of the uh, startup weekends, and it is kind of terrifying. And, <laughs> you know, when you go up there and you, you actually have to have this idea and you're thinking that, oh, I, you know, I wonder if my idea even is even worth the the paper that I just wrote it on. But the other thing that's really kind of nerve-wracking is that they then sort of select kind of which ideas make it to the next level. And then you have to go through this process of finding team members. Now, I want to hear from all of you. <clears throat> what was the experience like? Because to me, it was almost equivalent of putting on a sandwich board and walking around trying to attract people to be a part of your team. I mean, it's almost like you somehow have to attract them in some manner that, I don't know, pheromones or something, but they got to come <laughs> and, you know, join your little team. And unless you have some kind of carrot to draw them in, I mean, how do you get guys to join your team? Now, Liam, what was it that, was it hard to get people to come and join your team? Or, or? was your pitch yeah. that so fabulous? Well, to tell you the truth, people just swarmed. You swarmed? Know? Yeah, they just they came. Saw you. No, no, no. Oh. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> just joking. Um, no, it was... It's kind of an interesting experience, you know, trying to hustle the crowd and find the votes that you need to make it to the next level. It's kind of nerve wracking. Um, But, you know, you go around, you say, remember me? I was the, you know, the 30 second pitch. And uh, hopefully people remember you and they they give you one of their post-it notes. Well, you know, nobody remembered me and I had to really basically beg people to join my team. So it was it was nerve, totally nerve nerve wracking. Your pheromones just weren't quite that strong. They did not match anybody in the room, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> now, Jen, you said you were, you know, that, and you've mentioned, you know, it made you nervous, it's nerve-wracking. Public speaking isn't easy, but I would say recruiting is also difficult. I mean, how did you tackle that challenge? Oh, God, that was hard. I actually had an awesome friend with me that mm-hmm. was yelling all about, please join us. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, please, just going <laughs> around, like, would you like to join? What are you? Come and join us. And that was my process. I felt like I barely just got through with, like, 13 votes. Well, that's good that you came with a friend because I think that helps uh, ease the uh, tension. And the other thing that I noticed is that, you know, these developers, right, they're they're all buddies with each other. And they they kind of swarm, you know, they swarm around something. And and, and what what the advice is that as a team, you want to get a developer, you kind of want to get a designer, you want to get a biz person. But that developer is a key person. And unless you try to uh, – no, you guys are already part of a cohort that's that's deadly. So you kind of know some developers. Me, I was out there like <laughs> begging. So, so um, well, Constantine, I mean, was it easy for you to 
Well, that we were lucky. We had an advantage because we are part of that family now, mm-hmm, Dev League mm-hmm. family. So, yeah, we, the developers, we just know them. So it was easy to join. But but I still had to do begging. I think that's what it's all about. And I, for people who want to do Startup Weekend, I think the secret is in the recruiting, which I didn't know about. And, and, and next time I'll be much okay, more Okay, okay. No, I like this. I like this. So you're, you're telling all our listeners that there is yeah, a secret. There is the a secret. The secret is in the recruiting. Now, how do you prepare that prior to the actual event? What uh, would you have done different? I think, okay, here's a trick. I think you need to, before you pitch, you need to meet as many people as possible, sniff out the good developers, the good designers, or the, just the people you like and you want to have in your team, and then go to them and say, I want you on my team and don't be shy. I think that's the way to do it. And you want to do this at the event or even prior to the event? No, I mean, uh, well, the, I mean, if you really well, want to get into some, it. I know some teams prior. that actually were formed prior to the event. Okay. Yeah, that could work. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think some of the teams were, I, 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 that too. But, but at the event, I think would be a good start. Okay, good. No, I like yeah. this. I, I like this because we're, we're kind of turning the top on, um, on Brian Butling's sort of strategy of <laughs> right. running the startup. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the secret. This yeah, we want to share all the secrets. All right, you well, you know, on. we've mentioned DevLeave quite a bit and it was a major participant in this event and it's great because I would imagine that in previous Startup Weekend Honolulu events, the developer, again, like you said, if you want to prototype, if you want to build something that runs and works, you need a developer of as one of the members mm-hmm, of your mm-hmm. team. And with uh, Dev League cohorts participating and on your teams, Jen and Constantine, you had that piece. And it was the other pieces that you were looking for. Liam, on the development side, I mean, did you, like you said, the idea had to evolve and you had to learn, I would imagine, what is possible to build in 54 hours. Exactly. So, um, that's really what Startup Weekend is about, is what can you accomplish in those 54 hours. And we were lucky to get a team of 10, which is really large uh, compared to some of the other teams. And we had some great developers that were on that team. So it just sort of formed naturally. And uh, I think one of the, one of the uh, lessons that I got from that is that you can't, when you're, when you're there and you're recruiting, you want to take uh, everyone that's interested, you know, and you want to recruit as many people as possible. You can't say, oh, you know... I don't, I don't, I don't. You don't, you don't qualify. You know, you got to bring it. Your as many people as are interested because you don't really just look at who has the qualifications. It's about who's passionate about your idea, and those are going to be the best team members. And is, is there any attrition over the weekend as well? I would imagine I'd probably poop out around Saturday <laughs> night, and you just wouldn't see me Friday again. night after the pizza. But were you able to keep your team of ten energized the weekend? Well, you know, some people tell you the truth. They uh, they went in and out, or, or no, no. But uh, we had a really committed team. Um, but uh, some people started, you know, some people passed out on Saturday. Some people <laughs> fell asleep. But uh, that's okay. And what really matters is that we were all there back on Sunday mm-hmm. for the hours leading up to the pitch doing our last-minute preparation. Well, Liam, we did mention, and, and you were kind enough to bring up as well, that one of the notable things is that it's a, that is your age, you know, a high school-age student who won, the, your team won Start a Weekend. But one of the questions that would be natural as the father of a 17-year-old, for example, is, how do you maintain a leadership role as a team leader when you're surrounded by people who are professionals, established in their careers, independent lone wolf developers? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you continue to lead a group like that, that diverse? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, so I think it comes down to that um, I really which, – which was really easy because I had a great team of people that definitely knew um, everything they were doing and they're all on top of it. And they're really passionate about the idea. So I think it comes down to listening to everything that everyone else has to say and taking it all into the communal idea and knowing that um, as the team leader, 
you are there to inspire and get people to be excited, not to dictate what the idea is going to be. So if other people bring suggestions, try to incorporate those suggestions. Don't say, you know, this is my idea. I'm the leader, so you all can't. But if somebody in your team said, but you know what? I have this infrastructure already built to help me order pizzas online. Let's do that instead. You'd still be able to knock that down, I would imagine. Well, <laughs> that, that, that was that's a, that's a challenge, uh, definitely. So, um, w- with situations like that, it's just a matter of uh, making sure that people feel like you know their their ideas are being heard. But then we sort of discuss it, and ultimately, I think the group decides sort of what's best. Um, now, when when you went into the team forming forming session, I mean, you sort of knew Liam some of the people in the audience in the crowd, right? I mean, that, that kind of goes to uh, the fact that you've been going to some of the events around town, you kind of see the people that get involved. So you sort of know what the landscape looks like. For the for the brand new person sort of walking off the street, kind of just going into Startup Weekend because they're, they're really interested in, you know, maybe participating, would you have any advice to them because they really don't know anybody, right? I, I would come in, I'd look at you guys and go, well, who, who are you guys, right? I mean, how would how would you recommend that they start to proceed to build this team? I mean, Constantine, I mean, do you? Well, I think actually Startup Weekend is a great place for that. If you don't know anyone and you want to meet people in the tech community, in the startup community, mm-hmm. then Startup Weekend is the best place for that because the people in your team, you're going to know them afterwards. Right, so so there's um, are there protections you know how people go into high school and there's all these cliques and there's you know there's already people that are already preformed as teams in startup weekend is there sort of a culture of hey let's let's all get Do to know each different. other yeah yeah i think so uh-huh. i i didn't i didn't feel any clicky vibes at all mm-hmm. i mean if anything good, it good. was us dev leaguers but i don't think we were, <laughs> i don't think we were clicky no it's it's really it's really a f- anything goes everyone's welcome uh-huh. kind of atmosphere uh-huh. well so jen as we mentioned you know in previous startup weekend honolulu's i know that uh, finding the developer i mean maybe you might have six marketing people but it was hard to find the one developer but you come in with that that uh, in-demand skill set, what role in your team would you say was, in this case, the hardest to fill? Or did you not have preset roles in your mind at all? I didn't have preset roles in my mind at all. Um, Basically, I just grabbed people, and all we had was um, one designer and, like, four developers, and we didn't have any business side. So basically, we just um, divided up the, the jobs and whatnot, and we just went from there. There was no really like, uh, if you're a developer, you have to develop. You could be like the business, or you could do the design. Was Nothing. it uh, was it challenging, or was it difficult to convince a developer to now put the biz dev hat on? Um, not really. Actually, everybody in the team was pretty cool. As long as you had really easygoing people, everything went super smooth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have anything, no problems like that. Nobody was like that at the, uh, what is it, startup. So so when you say easygoing, I mean, did you know that they were, for the most part, pretty easygoing? Or did you run into any difficult personalities? <laughs> no, I think it was luck. I, I got, like, the lucky card, and I got some amazing people on my team. Never had any problems oh. whatsoever. Good, good. Well, I definitely want to hear more now about the specific startups you pitched and how it would make money and become a successful business. But we will hold that thought for after this short break. We'll continue our conversation with Liam Clive of Mentorship.link, Constantine Dumba of Grumble, and Jen Lazarik of All About. And what are the next steps? For these fledgling startups, we'd love to hear your comments or questions. And, of course, that number to call is 941-3689. Or from the neighbor islands, you can call 877-941-3689. This is Bite Marks Cafe. 
On August 9th, HPR brings you a special gathering of Slack Key Masters Keola Beamer and Jeff Peterson, Kumuhula Moanalani Beamer, bassist and vocalist Nathan Aviao, and dancer Kavena Meckler. It'll be an afternoon of favorite tunes from back in the day and a celebration of Hawaiian music today. That's August 9th at the Poliku. Reservations at hprtickets.org or by calling 955-8821 during business hours. Sponsored in part by Servco Toyota Dealers and the Toyota Prius. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Jed Diamond, author of Men Alive. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about stopping killer stress with simple energy healing tools. Sunday morning at 11. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we are here with Liam Clive of Mentorship.link, Constantine Dumba of Grumble, and Jen Lazaruk of All About. And of course, if you have a question or a desire to start up your business, the number to call here is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And what we want to do now is kind of get into some of the details of what each team created as part of their pitch. And ultimately won That's the right. weekend. So which way shall we go? Let's start with Constantine. Constantine, your, your uh, I guess, uh, product was Grumble. Grumble, now, yes. Now, uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like I can grumble with your app, but. Tell me a little bit more about what is it that you are trying to solve in terms of rolling out Grumble. So the problem we're trying to solve is what we call the the tyranny of happiness on social media. (laughs) I love it. The tyranny. Yeah. No, that's true. Right? Because you want to project... Right. I mean, social media these days, if I look at my channels, at least, it's, it's, it's the happy moments of life. You know, people are celebrating, they're sharing their good times, mostly. I mean, there's some other stuff in it, but that's most of it. And so when you aren't feeling happy, when you're feeling the opposite of happy, you probably don't go to social media. Most people obviously don't since, since there isn't much on social media. So Grumble is the place to go where you have permission to share those moments uh, when you're feeling terrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it's like you can call it like a Twitter of despair, <laughs> something like that. And it, I want to download that. Right. <laughs> you're interested, Bert? Yeah. And it connects you. So it, it, what happens is you go on there, you, you share your despair, and you see how many other people have the same or similar despairs at the moment, and you can then connect with them. So is that done by hashtags or searches? If I'm depressed about my weight, not that I am, uh, how would I find <laughs> someone else who's grumbling about their uh, their, their food Control issues, intake issues. We're working on that. Hashtags is is probably the way to go, and and we we're going to try and figure out how we can categorize the uh, your topic mm. just by from what you write. But then you'll probably have to choose. No, no, you know, with with something like Grumble, where people are sharing sort of the the trials and tribulations of their life. Uh, I know there's some apps that are kind of out there, and they have a 
uh, a lifetime right? or a life peer, time, uh, lifespan, uh, and they may go away. So that at least you know you might say something that's really bothering you, and you don't have to worry about it sort of lasting any longer than let's say twenty four hours. But in 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 the case of Grumble, I mean it's it stays around, right? So uh, I, I'm wondering how do you start to build a sort of community, especially given that it's sort of this this grumpy downer place. sort of <laughs> <laughs> feeling. Uh, well, I think once people start using it and and seeing the effect it has, uh, we'll see where it goes. But I, I believe if you grumble and you find out you're not alone and you get to connect with somebody else, it'll make you feel better right away. No, At least, no. but uh, but aren't you now just moving people up the bar of the happiness curve? <laughs> we are. So uh, so in, inadvertently, we're contributing to the tyranny of happiness. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's what I would certainly call a pivot. Um, fact, <laughs> I like uh, you know. I like the idea, certainly. I mean, and I, but I agree, you know, Bert brings up some of these apps that are kind of like you can rant, but it disappears or it's completely anonymous. Now, one thing that would probably come up is the potential for abuse or the potential for someone to not climb the ladder back to the tyranny of happiness, but descend into a spiral of despair. Deep despair. I mean, did you have any conversations with your team about uh, any of the kinds of controls that other social networks have to have in place? Because sometimes people go too far. We have. I mean, we've we've talked about that. And one of the safety nets we have is that we don't let people mention anybody else in their grumbles. So you cannot you cannot complain about another person by name. Okay, you can complain about a person, but not a person by name. But you are identified by your name, or you you will have the option. You can do an anonymous grumble. Okay, okay. But you you can be identified by first name, for example. Fantastic. So we give uh, Jen a chance to describe her application about, all, all about. So basically it's a peace of mind for both babysitters and parents. And um, how it works is that the parents put in their informations and everything, uh, information like just little, um, what is that called? Their allergies for their child, what cold medicines they should be taking, uh, so on and so forth. And then you go into this uh, different area where you can see a whole line of babysitters that have been, like, gone through different trials and tribulations mm-hmm. to make sure that they're safe. You pick your babysitter. You can chat with them to get to know them a little bit more. And then from there, you can actually send, like, a little checklist for them to do, like, homework for the child or sometime they're just supposed to be in bed or eat. And as the babysitter is doing their job, you can actually send, like, a check mark. And that will send a notification to the parent. Mm -hmm, So they mm -hmm. go, oh, good. Um, Sally finished her homework. Awesome. Um, And as soon as everything's done, they can have like a little invoice sent to the parent and can be paid through as such. Well, I I certainly see the need for finding a babysitter and matching someone who's maybe complementary to my parenting style. But you have other established uh, companies like Care.com and other ways that people find babysitters. Was there a a secret sauce or a differentiator that you were going for to make this compelling to someone trying to solve that problem? Definitely. I wanted to do like an all-in-one. So basically, not only will you have uh, a choice of babysitters, but you will have all the information of your child already so you don't have to write everything down again. And then um, you have like this entire checklist for what you want to – sorry, this entire checklist that you want to do for your child, uh, for the babysitter to check off. And it just gives that parent a peace of mind as well. I like it. I yeah, like it. good. Sounds good. Uh, we want to – well, we have a call coming in and we want to welcome Sachi from the Big Island to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay, good. 
Um, well, I have a question. Um, I have a friend who has a zero-waste company in New York, and she wants to do a TV show, and she's looking for some tech-savvy people to put together some very funny environmental films uh, for the TV show she's going to pitch to her previous employer who she was assistant to, the owner of Nat Geo and Discovery Channel. And I'm just trying to figure out how she would go about doing that. Excellent question. So if you are on another island and you right now do not have the opportunity to come to a Startup Weekend, pitch your idea, find teammates, let's say Startup Weekend doesn't exist. Liam, how would you find the right partners to pitch an idea and build something that you could maybe make into a business on your own? Well, um, the key, I think, is to get into a space, a physical space, I would actually recommend, that where you can find like-minded people and people who have a similar interest and talent and uh, skills that you need. Um, you can find that uh, through resources like meetup.com. Um, and I'd really recommend that you really get out into the community and find those uh, hot spots of um, other people that are finding those skills that you need. Uh, filmmakers, that would be probably in New York, wouldn't you think, maybe? Well, well so, there would be so, a hotbed there, but if, let, let me, th off the top of our head, I think we can think of, uh, say, the Hawaii Tech Exchange in Hilo. People just sort of go there, they meet, they pitch ideas and exchange ideas. Also on the Big Island, as we mentioned at the start of the show, is the Transmedia mm -hmm, Accelerator. Mm -hmm. In fact, their whole idea is content generation Where's and specifically... That? Well, they're they're actually located on the Kona side. What, what side are you on? I'm on the Kona side. You're on the Kona side. Perfect. So, so this is a uh, – it's like an accelerator that is focused around creative media. So and if you go uh, to globalvirtualstudio.com right. or the GVS Transmedia Accelerator, um, I think that, that might, they might be just the great – the first place to go for advice to find global potential partners. Global Mutual Media? Uh, no. Global uh, virtual studio. Virtual media. Yeah, virtualstudio.com. We'll put it up. We'll put it up on our show notes. So later on, uh, after the show, if you go to bitemarkscafe.org, uh, we'll put up the uh, link to that. And you'll take a look at it. I mean, you can at least contact them and bounce around your ideas and see if there's an opportunity to perhaps form a team. I mean, if, if, you're, you know, if your cohort is, is in New York, I mean, it might be a little bit of a East Coast, Hawaii kind of thing going on. But uh, the guys in Kona will definitely be someone that you could talk to and maybe build something, at least you know, in the Kona area. Excellent. I, so I, I wish you luck. I think you, you've got great potential there. So good luck with your, your venture. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Sachi, for calling. And Liam, you know, so we, we didn't get you, well, we did get you to talk a little bit about your application. But, uh, you know, mentorship link, I mean, I think you already noticed that there is a, a, a perhaps a gap to fill connecting students with perhaps uh, some companies that are interested in maybe taking them on as interns or, or some kind of uh, um, uh, mentorship. Uh, was this an idea that uh, you came up with? Or, or, and, and how is it that you're developing the actual engine that connects these, let's say, students, yeah, students and, and companies? Well, um, the problem that we looked at that started this idea is the problem of education mm -hmm. and that our current education system, as in its current form, really does a terrible job of helping students to find their passions or where they are in their element, whatever career path that might be. Because um, right now there's not really a path for them to do that. They're often stuck in a classroom where they're learning about a certain subject, 
for example, chemistry, but they're not actually learning what it is to be a scientist. Or they might be in a journalism, a class on journalism, but they don't actually know what it's like to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to solve that problem. And so what Mentorship Link does is connects students, specifically high school students, with mentorship opportunities in the workplace. And so what we're trying to do is give students a platform, an online platform where they can go and they can think, oh, I'd like to learn what it's like to work at a startup, for example. What is it like to be an entrepreneur? And they say, oh, I'd be interested in interning at this startup for three weeks. And they click on that opportunity, they apply, and then on the business side, they can see, is this student uh, qualified? Or do they, we can look, look at their uh, reviews and see, are they responsible? Do they show up on time? And then they can have a trial period, see if the student is good, and then they keep them on for the, those uh, three weeks. So I can understand the demand side, students looking for the right mentors and opportunities to learn about their passion. But what is the value uh, proposition to the companies or the mentors that are on the other side taking them on, basically, accepting the responsibility of guiding a young person on their path? Well, uh, the value proposition is two things. One, that you are uh, the companies get to train the people that will be their workforce 10 years down the road, and they get to gain insight on how to attract that generation to uh, be part of their workforce and give them those skills. Um, because one thing that em employers now are looking for is not uh, like maybe 50 years ago or 100 years ago where companies are looking for students that are employees that can follow directions and listen and be quiet and just follow what the instructions are. But they're looking for employees who are creative and can problem solve. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so that's what we're trying to train students oh, to do. Sounds good. Now, I, I'd like to try to transition a little bit, and, and Liam, you can sort of start. Where is it that you will now take your idea, being that you spent 54 hours on it, a whole 54 hours, <laughs> and these are great ideas. How do you turn this into an actual company? Because that's where the rubber really kind of meets the road. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, as I'm sure my uh, fellow Startup Weekend uh, graduates here know, uh, when you're doing Startup Weekend, you're preparing for this pitch, and it's all really exciting. But now afterwards, we have to figure out, is this idea actually viable? Can mm -hmm. it really work? Mm -hmm. And so what uh, we're doing to figure that out is um, create this product in a test format. So what we're going to do is I'm going to connect students. I'm going to get around 30 or 40, hopefully, students and try to connect them with actual businesses and then do a trial period and see where the actual friction points are in that relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where do the students maybe, um, where do they fall out? Where do the businesses um, not get much what they want out of it? And then we'll get the feedback from that. And then if we get positive feedback, enough positive feedback, we'll make those changes and then we'll actually start. Right. No, so a pilot program. Um, Jen, uh, is uh, is all about something you're going to continue to build, uh, or is it still a seed that could sprout a completely different kind of plant for you? Um, definitely, I would definitely I would like to um, pursue it. Uh, at this point, though, I want to concentrate on school, and then after I uh, graduate in October, definitely see what I can do from there. Mm -hmm. Most likely for a side project, because even my uh, teammates said they would love to take it on as a side project. So, so in October, you know, you graduate from Dev League, you are now really kind of looking at your team members to perhaps form a company. I mean, is that how formal you want to proceed? Uh, for now, no. Maybe just okay. get together like on weekends, like maybe three days out of the week and see how it builds up. Uh, we actually got like... Um, little side things here and there, and um, it actually will help us develop our product much better. Okay. Fantastic. Now, yeah. Constantine, Grumble, uh, certainly a great pitch. Uh, where is it going from here? Well, um, like Jen, I'm pretty busy at the moment. For mm -hmm. another month and a half, I'm my time is occupied. 
but we are we are definitely building Grumble, and we've already started. And we actually built an app during the startup weekend, mm -hmm. a very, very simple version of Grumble, and people are still using Posting it today. <laughs> so I, I look on it every day, and there's new Grumbles coming in. Oh, yeah. So That's it's, a good sign. It's, okay. it's a good sign, and, and yeah, we're excited. We're, we're building it, but it'll it'll have to be and that and that's fine. I mean, really, Startup Weekend is all about the experience of the 54 hours, doing the pitch, and going in front of judges, right, and and, and seeing if your idea is sound. There's really kind of no pressure to really start up a, a startup. But I guess, have you guys thought about, let's say, blue startups, the accelerator route, or you know, if, if, if your study proves to be uh, a positive thing? I mean, would you consider like a blue startup thing? Yes, we definitely consider that, uh, that route mm -hmm. if our uh, beta test proves to be a success. So, okay. yeah. I like it. So if somebody wants to grumble, Constantine, where can they try this route, this beginning but still apparently gem of a fantastic idea to end the tyranny of happiness? Well, right now they can go to facebook.com slash grumble soon. Grumble and soon, okay. and stay connected, and, and we'll let them know when we are ready. Oh, good, good. Jen, all about? Uh, for hours, it's still in development. Okay. It's all smoke and mirrors at this point. Well, but we'll we'll keep an eye on on what you're up to, and we'll certainly share that. And uh, Liam, what, Liam, what about you? Well, um, if uh, you are a student or a family, or if you're a business and you're interested in participating in our beta test, uh, mm -hmm. the best way to get in touch is to email me at liam at mentorship dot link. And okay. we'll have links that we have on the show on our. Uh, show notes at bitemarkcafe.org and we should mention Dev League which brought many of these developers to Startup Weekend. You can go to devleague.com. Very good. Liam Clive started mentorship.link. Constantine Dumbus created the Grumble and Jen Lazarig founded All About and we want to thank you all for joining us today. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk to the Solar Impulse team about their historic Trans-Pacific flight. And of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. Of course, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Bite Marks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Koslovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's a band called Lady Lamb and a song called Billions of Eyes. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Took a lot like wool gone through the wash I check my phone for the time But I swear my watch Yeah, I'm confused about how I'm supposed to Connect to anything now smile big at me because they know the feeling and for a millisecond